This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman, and welcome to The Loop. So far this summer, wildfires have taken over the news cycle. Across Canada, blazes are setting new levels of destruction and forcing people out of their homes. In Alberta, we are no stranger to fire, but we are well on our way to beating previous records when the season ends in October. World on Fire started a few years ago, with hosts Adrian Lamb and Mike Flanagan heading to the front lines of -of out-of-control wildfires in Canada, Australia, and the U.S. This summer, an eighth episode of the podcast is out, exploring a new side of the story, the reporters. Adrian speaks to just some of the CBC journalists covering the worst wildfire season ever and what it means to make sense of and tell the story of these fires. Today, we're playing an extended conversation from episode eight with CBC Edmonton video journalists Travis McEwen and David Bezier, who spent the summer crossing the province to cover fire and shared that experience with Adrian. Well, I think it was probably about a month, over a month ago for sure. And I started west of the city near uh, Entwistle and Wildwood. And I then ended up in Edson for a few days talking with evacuees from those towns. And little did I know that uh, soon after people from that town would have to evacuate as well. That's just kind of how this summer has gone so far. And uh, fast forward a little bit later and... Alberta seemed, there was a point where Alberta seemed like it was all on fire. Like no matter where you went, you had smoke coming from all over the place. And there was a lot of panic. I think people thought this was going to be, you know, everyone would have to evacuate at some point. Yeah. And so I was sent to Grand Prairie to keep an eye out on the fires out that way. And when I was out there, I was out there for about five days and things were kind of already out of control, uh, under control. And the things that had burned had kind of burned and were held and the weather got a little better. But I think the part was for also me and um, the cameraman I was working with, who's actually Dave, who's working on the camera here on the podcast as well. We were supposed to just kind of be out there too because roads were getting shut down all over the place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, two to three hour drives were taking six to seven when you were trying to get to an evacuated area. So I think strategically it was also get us out there and cover the fires out there and see how things went. So you go into these places in the aftermath. What is that like? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And the one we were at was uh, Sturgeon Lake. And even just driving through it on the highway, I remember, it's kind of eerie, right? When you go through and you can see you're in a highway, it's opened and everything's burned on each side. It's, you know, fences all burned down. From there, you could see at least a home that had been burned on that side of the street. Vehicles all around it as well, still there. You know, at the time when we got out there, we didn't know a lot. We just knew there was about 40 homes and structures had had burned. Mm -hmm. And we really only knew that from a Facebook Live from the chief on the first day we were out there. And we weren't getting a lot from there because, you know, chief and council did these updates, which is something we saw a lot so far this year. Yeah. These updates for residents. They're coming through municipalities. Yeah. yeah, YouTube, Facebook. And Mm -hmm. so it you know, keeps residents up to date, but also that's where we end up getting a lot of their information as well. Mm-hmm. And they're not having to double up and do media avails all the time, right? Right. Um, so the chief wasn't really making himself for available, said he was, you know, when I requested, he said he was too busy looking after his people. And, you know, I also found with the evacuees too, it was tough for them to speak because they were pretty emotional and this isn't something they had really gone through ever before. So, uh, and most didn't really know what they, if they had a home. There was a lot of sensitivity with that. That was the First Nation didn't want to tell us too much to give away, you know, 
these locations where the homes were burned and then people find out that way. So it was a tricky situation for them as well. You mentioned David Banger, one mm-hmm. of our video producers here. He was with you. I'm going to bring him in now because he's here in the studio with us. Dave, what do you remember about that experience? Well, something, you know, as a visual person, you know, Trav can attest to this as well. You you, you try to show that, that eeriness, that um, desolation, that, that burning, the, and then bring the human factor in. But you have to drive through it to understand it, right? When both sides of the road are the... The ditches are smoldering, um, burnt out. Both tree lines are, are burnt out, and then it's a bit of green, and then it's more burnt out stuff. Uh, all the roads are blocked as you're as you're driving through it. So, it that's when it hits you, and now you have to, you know, kind of put not some blinders, but you really have to focus on your role within that and and show that to the best of your ability without getting overwhelmed, if that, if that makes any sense. Um, so it's it's trying to bring in perspective both in in the work and then humanizing it for bringing that to the public as as a visual medium. Because mm-hmm. uh, like Dave said, we're like the first eyes of some some of these cases, right? So you kind of have like visually, it's this kid in a candy store where you're like, whoa, whoa, get this and get this. But we're also the you know they're not able to come in and see this stuff, so we're able to actually pass it on for them and and do a good job and to try and cover as much as possible, right? But it's a weird thing, too, when you're kind of like this gawker who's like, you know, those people who drive through and want to stop and go slow. and But that's literally what we have to stop for, and that's our job, right? There is um, this spot where there is a building that had burned, and it was kind of three-in-one. It was like a tribal council, uh, a space for, like, seniors and elders in the area, and more of kind of like a infrastructure, like, administrative-type building. Mm-hmm. And so that had all burned and was collapsed in. But beside it, there's like this row of uh, trucks. Well, I want to say probably about seven or eight trucks. And they all look in good condition, but they're just sitting there. And so one of the, the security guards slash tour guides tells us, man, I would love to have these trucks because we've got all these guys and, and no trucks. And I'd love to get them. And so, well, why can't you? And he said, well, the keys were in these buildings that burned. No way. <laughs> yeah. So they did, couldn't get the keys. So these buildings, these trucks all just had to sit there, right? That's wild. Yeah. Another thing on that tour, too, I'll, I'll, I want to touch on as well is that when they drove us by these homes, you could see where the fires crept through and just kind of how close they got, right? And it's like, I think for residents, that's so scary. But for the guys on our tour, they're like, well, that's that stopped because that's the us. work we did. Yeah. You know, they'd say the home. Yeah. They, but that's the firefighters stopped it from getting that close, the success. As stand-ins for mm-hmm. those band members who can't be there seeing their community, their lives that aftermath. Do you remember what that felt like as you were getting the camera out, getting the gear set up? What was going through your mind? Well, on the, the tour, Travis mentioned the tour, you know, you get driven by places that are that are sacred, right? You, you may just drive past them on the road for other reasons, but it's in that moment, right? You're, you're in a devastated place and you're seeing maybe a bit of burned things, um, toys, kids' toys, that kind of stuff. Um, but then the grass coming up uh, just past that, right? So it's it's a s- surreal situation, but you also have to have some perspective on, you know, this was somebody's home mm-hmm. or somebody's sacred place or what have you. So you you really have to, I don't know, it, to, for me, I, you know, I, I focus on each shot just one at a time. And I think that's where the partnership comes in with, 
you know, somebody else like, like Travis being on the ground where he can maybe talk with, you know, the security guards. I didn't actually hear that key story until just now. Mm. I didn't realize that. But you're focused on shooting other things, right? I, I remember seeing images at the um, community building and you're, you're focused on it and you can see a cabinet. Everything around it is, is black and burnt, but this cabinet made of metal is still standing. Probably everything in it is destroyed, but those those moments hit you. But it's it's moment by moment, right? As a like a picture almost, and those those stay with you. It's a good reminder when you go into these areas, and it's not just work for us. Where you do feel emotions still when you're shooting it, that you feel bad because it is someone's home. You know, there's loss, and you got to portray that. And it's a reminder for us, I think, in our jobs that there's still humanity as a part of us as we do it. Which is uh, which is good. I think yeah. it's a good thing to feel and tend to know. So, and I, I wonder when it hits you. Like when does that emotion hit you? I don't know if there's a distinct answer for that. Right? Like when we first traveled, we were heading up to Grand Prairie. We didn't actually stop in uh, Sturgeon Lake Cree Nation because we weren't allowed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, there wasn't even anywhere to stop on the highway um, to get some shots of the area. They wanted you to strictly drive through. So we we were heading to Grand Prairie directly. Um, you kind of get it there, but once you come back into town and, and you start seeing, okay, this is these people's homes. They're at the hotel being, haven't been evacuated. You're trying to talk to them, their sensitivity through that. And then you get a tour of the location. You're getting the curtain pulled back for you, but these people don't know that their house has been destroyed. Right. So those moments, that's when it really hits you. Even the security guards were pro they're pro they were pretty jovial folks Mm -hmm. i thought but you could tell the impact on them and you you can't you don't feed off that but you you understand that the gravity of where you are your responsibility yeah and that's the thing too these guys are helping us through this tour and they were so great with us and everything but you also know like they had this job to do too where they were doing security and you could tell they weren't telling us straight up what they were doing but you could tell there was something where they had to run to a call right away and we're like can we wrap this up and they had their job and so they had you know, it had been in this area that had burned, but there was a sensitivity, you know, this part for them of their jobs where they were trying to secure the Cree Nation as much as possible, right? And and so had that stress as well on them. Both of you have had this experience where you've been almost the only people in these communities that are essentially emptied out. What is that like? Yeah, I, I don't know if you can put that in words. And, you know, many of our colleagues in the building and across the country we've experienced this too right you're you're the only ones there when it's normally a at least a busy community right there's always things going on people traveling from here and there um kids right i remember at the um the home of the one person we were allowed to show there was a was a playground where it was a plastic playground it was all melted right so that those moments hit you right and it's like there should be a family here with kids playing and moving around and then just moving from house to house there should be traffic but there isn't um yeah it's ghostly to put to put a term to it and i think on this one too like we hadn't really seen the community before so we didn't really know what it was so we could only get that from the guys on the tour whereas like when i i think the first time when i was in slave lake like 11 years ago and went in and they brought me in, you know, I think it was probably two days after the wildfire burned through there. I wasn't really prepared for what that was going to look like because it was about a third to a quarter of the town had burned. But it was like, it was like an apocalypse you see in a movie, right? 
when you br- they bring you in on a bus and you're just watching everything like you're on a movie and you've got emergency vehicles going through the roads with their lights on, helicopters above, and not a single person just walking down the street or, you know, everything's just desolate, right? That that always sticks with me, that kind of view of that, of how, you know, it really does look like an apocalypse from a movie, you know, and then when you, you have to then deal with seeing the fire and the burn and all that, right? So, and it's, you know, like I said with Dave, it's a weird thing where you don't, you know, the images are so powerful, but you don't get excited. Do you know what I mean? You know, yeah. you've got a lot of strong images and a lot of things to do and a lot of work, but you don't, there's not an excitement with it too, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it's the human side that keeps that, keeps you grounded in that scenario too, right? Yeah. We've been talking a lot about the place the, that that these things are happening, but I want to get back to the people because often we're going to centers where people are staying or evacuation spaces where these people have been moved to. What do you remember about covering those places and those interactions and conversations? Well, one thing I do know from like the evacuation centers that I was mentioning, you know, is that I've seen so far this year is like in the pa- years past, it'd be like people come to evacuation centers, stay for a, few, for a few days, stay on cots, right? But this year, I think because we've been through this so much and people have learned what people want, um, is that they're putting them up in hotels right away, right? Or staying with friends right away. And so these evacuation centers have just been for like assistance, right? So people are just coming, checking in, seeing what they can, you know, what they need, what they can get, leave, maybe doing updates, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was at uh, River Cree and I met uh, three generations of a family from Sturgeon Lake. It was a um, grandmother, mother, and a young kid around probably 10 or 11 years old. And they're staying in a hotel in Edmonton, but they were just going to this evacuation center in the afternoons just because they were tired of being one in the hotel, watching TV, right? Mm-hmm. But th- they really missed was community, seeing the people, you know, these friendly faces that they knew. Whether how good they knew them or not, they just wanted to see them and talk with them, right? And I think that's a part of something we forget about in this, where people are, you know, pulled away from their homes, is that they really don't have that community when they're staying in all these hotels, and they really do miss that, right? Well, and the connection, and mm-hmm. the information, and yeah. just the the sense that we're in this together, right? That That is sometimes where that's found. Mm-hmm. For you, Dave, you've been sent to a lot of evacuation centers. What do you remember from those experiences? I generally try to approach it of people want to talk. Generally, they want to, they want to talk. They want to tell your story. But um, unfortunately, we're a medium that's very intrusive. And now I'm going to stick this giant camera with a big light and a microphone in your face and tell me all your personal things, right? So that's worked well for me to try to have that perspective. And, and uh, you know, I'll, I just try to get comfortable with people. Like if there's something that you want to tell me, please just share it. If there isn't, then no problem. I'm not going to hassle you. But when you're, you really feel the gravity of, of things and the unknown, right, there's, there's a lot of confusion at the centers because everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's getting information from different places, mm-hmm. so that's circulating. So um, really trying to narrow that down, and, and you don't want to be – maybe you, you just spoke with a, a fire investigator, Right. The the person that you're talking to obviously didn't have that experience, so you're not going to be the person to give away that information. So it's sensitivity of information and and connection with people, but that's what they miss when they're evacuated is is that community. But it's also 
confusion. So trying to mitigate that just in the conversation that you're having. So uh, how unusual has this year been in your estimation? You talked about some of the work that you've done over a decade. What do you think this 2023 says? Well, it's it's kind of the frequency, right? And that you're going to all these spots over and over. And also how often they're happening. Like you've had people fleeing multiple times from the same place, right? And I don't think we saw that as much in previous years. It was they fled once, the fire came in, you wait, and then you go back. Yeah. And now these ones where it's like you're gone for a week, go home. Oh, just just kidding. We got to go again. Yeah. And that's got to be – that's so tiring for people and frustrating. But at the same time, if you get the chance to go home, why not, right? right? Like – you, you would go, but I think there's this reality too with people having to be prepared all the time now. Like I talked to, we talked to this woman from um, Drayton Valley when they had returned and one of the, we asked her, you know, what she had learned. And she said just for the whole summer, she's just going to keep a bag and her stuff that's ready to go. She said, it doesn't really matter where the fire's at. She's just going to be prepared. And I've heard that a little more from people or this summer, that's the reality, right? Just have that bag ready to go. And I'm hearing from a lot of reporters, same on the other side you've of that. You've got your go bag you've too. You've got your go bag ready to go because yeah. you could be heading up north or to another wildfire in a, the next day, right? So you yeah. talk about that roller coaster and the coming and the going and the waiting and the not knowing. And how has it manifested itself for you? Hmm. Um, you know, I've I've had to be prepared to think about that or where you're going, right? And you adjust to all these situations every time, right? I mean, there's days that are long too, and and you also like there's adrenaline too in the day where you're on these tight deadlines for these stories and that, and and uh, you know, just the other day we were out in Edson, and uh, they had a, a a tour they took us on before people could come back, and uh, you know, you're just going. And you've got deadlines, you've got to file for, I've got to file for TV and send all our video back. And you can only send it back when you have good cell reception. So you're at the mercy of the people on the tour, right? So I remember we were kind of like rushed. And when we finally got to a place where we could feed and we had, I think, about an hour and a half before the newscast, if that, to send this stuff, get it edited. And you just deal with that. And as soon as it had done, also when these wildfires are going on, you're outside and Hot weather, Heats, right? Yeah, all of yeah. the elements. I mean, you maybe not drinking or eating regularly. Yeah, yeah, I probably wasn't drinking as much water, which is probably why I'd, you know, just hit hit the hit pause there for a second, twenty minute nap. So, how do you think covering the wildfires in twenty twenty three has changed you? I've, I've reflected on that, and it's been a larger part of my career over the past ten years than it ever was before. Like I've, you know, probably been working in this industry for. 19 years now. I gra- yeah, I graduated 19 years yeah. ago. And so I think before the, say, 11, 10 years, I, I hadn't really done much on wildfires. It mm-hmm. was maybe like a grass fire or something like that, yeah. you know? And But a, wildfires before that weren't something I've really covered. And now I've been to so many different ones. I've been to Slave Lake, Fort McMurray. Uh, I was in high level about four years ago as well. And then, the Creek. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. and then just chasing this one as well. So I've covered quite a few, and I think that's the reality of news, at least here in, in, you know, in Edmonton and Northern Alberta, is that you just kind of, and you learn from it too a little bit. They're not all the same. You know, all people are different in all the scenarios, but you have an idea of what pre- to prepare for. And, and sometimes you don't even actually get to see wildfire itself. You're not that close. It's You're not seeing stories. the orange flames. Exactly. Yeah. And that's 
sometimes the things we want for for TV. But the reality is too, the people who are fleeing are the ones who are getting the pictures and the video when we're not there, and they're sharing those images. And you know, we're grateful we get that, right? I think the way I interact with people in these stories and that, and and working on their terms, and that always in made me kind of a sensitive reporter in that regard too. And you don't want to ever kind of lose that is that, you know, you, these are all just people with their own stories and, you know, we don't want to be like, Oh, thanks. Bye. On to the next one. Thanks. Bye. And you try, I've had that too, where I've tried to keep up with people and check on their situations and not just for like a future story to check in and do another one, but, but as a person, just as a person to see yeah. how they're doing. Right. So, you know, cause I've still never had to deal with this where I can, you know, couldn't really fathom being like, hey, you got to leave for, you know, a week. We're going to put you in a random hotel and, and you're not going to have your people around you, right? So, and I don't, you know, I still don't know what that's actually like, right? Even when you're covering this stuff and you're in a hotel for a week, you have a lot to focus on, you know. Your mind has things you can focus on where you can go, but not like them, right? Yeah. Where you're just, you want that normalcy back or the familiar faces. Um grateful for what you have i mean we're we're in a big city that god forbid you know pretty be, probably be a pretty big fire if we had to get evacuated so you know as travis mentioned earlier to have that perspective i probably will never feel that although i'm lucky enough to have residential property in a rural area so if that was to to affect us i you know in-laws that live out there so um if that was to affect them displace them you know different a different take but um, I don't know. Every experience is, is different. I don't know if I could define how it's changed me as of yet, maybe some more reflection, but you know, you, you take those images with you. I, you know, I can, I can't speak for Travis, but there's a, you know, you wake up and flashes of images that you've captured that may have not ever seen the light of day, but they're on the tape. So just bringing that with you. The Loop is a podcast from CBC Edmonton. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common, and I'm Claire Bonnyman. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nations and Métis communities. If you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email, theloop at cbc.ca. World on Fire Episode 8, The Reporters, is available everywhere you get your podcasts now. And if you're interested in learning about wildfire, how we fight it, and what happens next... Make sure to check out the first seven episodes, too. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.